Yes, people, it is Thursday, which means you're official. Your official echo chamber of the week Because I realise we have already had three specials You know what I mean? It's a little side side this week people You've been blessed for sure But you know, as we do We're going to start off with the UK box office Top 10 for the weekend of the 18th to the 20th of June Alright, so at number 10 We have got Godzilla v Kong from Adam Wingard At number 9 It's a new entry It's Paul W.S. Anderson And he's given us Monster Hunter uh, and of course, Mila Djokovic is starring in the piece. <laughs> Alright, so at number uh, eight, we have got um, the. Uh, it seems to be a very popular film from Isla Nashula. It's Nobody. So at number seven, people. It is Florian Zeller's The Father, which we reviewed a couple of weeks back. And, hey, it's very good, people. It's very good. So, at number six, we have got The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. This is from Michael Chaves. So, we are now about to enter the top five. At number five, people, it is Cruella, the 101 Dalmatians prequel from Craig Gillespie. At number four, A, is something I definitely need to take my ass to go see. It's John Krasinski's The Quiet Place 2. And yes, I definitely want to see that one At number 3 It is Linda Manuel Medina and John M. Shoes in the Heights So at number 2 It is uh, Will Glock's Peter Rabbit 2 Which means the number 1 film in the UK game is the hitman's wife's bodyguard and um yeah people we uh we took a look at that last week so um yeah that's our number one film people now before we get into this week's reviews hey here's some dates for you to mark down in that calendar all right people Okay, horror fans, mark Thursday the 12th of August in your calendars. That is right, because Shudder, AMC Network's premium streamer for horror, thriller, and the supernatural, have announced that the new event series Slasher, Flesh and Blood, starring horror legend David Cronenberg, 
Bum, bum, bum. will exclusively stream on the service in the US, Australia and New Zealand beginning Thursday, August the 12th with two episodes followed by new episodes streaming each week. The series follows a wealthy, dysfunctional family that gathers for a reunion on a secluded island only to learn they'll be pitted against one another in a cruel game of life and death. Ooh. All while being stalked by a mysterious masked killer. Nothing is what it seems, and no one is safe as detention and body count ratchets up. The eight-episode event series stars Cronenberg alongside cast members from previous installments of the slasher franchise in brand new roles, including Paula Brancaddy, Jefferson Brown, Patrice Goodman, Sabrina Gredjevic, and Christopher Jackot. Right, so, um, yeah... Adding to the cast will also be Rachel Crawford, Jenna Guzan, Sydney Meyer, and Alex Ogerola. So, um, there you have it, people. There you have it. You know, slasher, flesh and blood is like knives out. Done by John Carpenter and takes the slasher franchise to a new level with a gripping and scary story about family secrets, intrigue, murder, and legacy. Um, we're incredibly lucky to have David Cronenberg, an icon of the genre, giving a standout performance as the fearsome, intimidating patriarch. Of the Galloway family, who sets the tone for the shocking twists, crazy mysteries, and total mayhem that's to come. Shudder members won't want to miss a single episode of this incredible event series, and that is from Shudder General Manager Craig Engler. I mean, yeah, he won't steer you wrong. No, but seriously, everything on Shudder is great. I mean, I, I don't think there's anything I haven't enjoyed yet. So, yeah, I think this will be worth watching. So, people, the 12th of August, mark it down. Oh, people, some more festival information for you. The Etheria Film Night have announced that they will be streaming, right, their 2021 official short films showcase lineup exclusively on Shudder, starting from Friday the 25th of June, all the way through to the 25th of July. This year's festival, the world's most respected annual showcase of horror, science fiction, fantasy, action and thriller films directed by women will feature nine short films and honour the Walking Dead showrunner and executive producer Angela Kang with the 2021 Etheria Inspiration Award given annually to a person in the 
entertainment industry who has inspired women to pursue careers working in genre film and television. Producer Gail Ann Hard will present the award to Kang with the ceremony included as part of the official Aetheria 2021 content streaming on Shudder. The 2021 lineup has come has some of the funniest things we've ever programmed alongside some of the darkest and most disturbing things we've ever programmed. And that is from Etheria Director of Programming, Heidi Honeycott. Mm-hmm. Right, so, um, yeah, she also says, And we're so happy to be screening on Shudder for the second year in a row. Dum-dum-dum. Right, so, um, yeah, people. I mean, do you really want to miss all of this? You know, Gaywa and Heard says the Aetheria Film Festival is the preeminent forum showcasing the many talented women working in the genre field. As The Walking Dead's first female showrunner, Angela Kang has proven herself to be a visionary in the horror sci fi medium, and she is also one of the most talented people working in television today. <laughs> yeah, you know, and Kang says, as a lifelong fan of horror, sci-fi, fantasy, action and thrillers, I am truly humbled to be in the company of the incredible women of Etheria, um, and who have been honoured over the years with their Inspiration Award, not least the incomparable Gail and Hurd. I am on a trail she blazed and loved that Etheria is showcasing new genre films created by women who want to travel the same exhilarating path. So, um, yeah, there you have it, people. It is, uh, is going to be coming at you, which uh, should be fun. Right, some of those films that will be screening, okay... Uh, we've got the fourth wall. This is directed by Kelsey Bowling. Um, we got Narrow, directed by Anna Chazelle. Have you will never be back from Monica Matteo. Booster Strapped from Katy Aaron. Uh, Misfits from Kayani Ray Walker. The Grey from Myra Aquino. Paula Votron 500 from Sylvia Concia. Eye Exam from Aslim Clark. And Who Goes There from Astrid for Vladson. <laughs> you know, so, um, hey, looks like it is going to be a fun uh, festival people, so go check out the Ethereal website, and remember, it will start Friday the 25th of June, running all the way to the 25th of July, exclusively on Shudder. 
Okay, horror fans, July is looking to be a great month If you have Shudder And if you're a horror fan and you don't Are you really a horror fan? <laughs> That's the question to ask people So, during July They uh, will have four new premieres Streaming on the uh, platform and exclusive films, as well as a bumper collection of classics joining the library. So, with the um, the new films, the premieres on the eighth of July is the first, and we have Sun hitting the network. So. In Sun, a mysterious group breaks into Laura's home and attempts to abduct her eight-year-old son, David. The two of them flee town in search of safety, but soon after the failed kidnapping, David becomes extremely ill, suffering from increasing psychosis and convulsions. Following her maternal instincts, Laura commits unspeakable acts to keep him alive, but soon she must decide how far she is willing to go to save her son. It is written and directed by Ivan Kavanagh, um, and it stars Andy Matak, um, Emily Hirsch, and Luke David Bloom. So the following week on the 15th of July, we see The Toll, right? So this is directed by Michael Nadar, and it's starring Jordan Hayes, Max Toplin, James McGowan, and Rosemary Dunsmore. And the film is... About this, when a young woman and her rideshare driver break down on a dark forest road, each sees the other as a threat. A strange phenomena begin occurring around them. They gradually realize they've become trapped in the world of a terrifying supernatural being. The Toll Man. Da 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 da. Ooh, sounds a bit ominous, right? Then, on the 22nd of July, we have Kandisha. So, it is summer break and best friends Emil, Benito and Morgana hang together with other neighborhood teens. Nightly, they are fun sharing scary stories and urban legends. But when Emil is abs- is assaulted by her ex, she remembers the story of Kandisha, a powerful and vengeful demon. Afraid and upset, Emil summons her. The next day, her ex is found dead. The legend is true, and now Kandisha is on a killing spree, and it's. Up to the three girls to break the curse. This is directed by uh, Julian Mori and Alexandra Mustilio. And it is starring Mathilde Lamus, Samarakand 
Sadi and Susie Beba. Then on the 29th of July and ending the random premieres is The Boy Behind the Door. So, this is directed by David Carboda and Justin Powell. Right, it is starring Ludi Chavis, Ezra Dowie, Kristin Bayer Van Stratton, Scott Michael Foster, and Mitch Hoptman. And the gist of the piece is this. A night of unimaginable terror awaits 12-year-old Bobby and his best friend Kevin when they are abducted on their way home from school. Managing to escape his confines, Bobby navigates the dark halls, praying his presence goes unnoticed as he avoids his captor at every turn. Even worse is the arrival of another stranger, whose mysterious arrangement with the kidnapper may spell certain doom for Kevin. With no means of calling for help and miles of dark country in every direction, Bobby embarks on a rescue mission, determined to get himself and Kevin out alive. Or die trying. Woo! And, um, yeah, Carbona and Powell also write the piece. So, they're your premieres, but also adding to the ever expanding library of horror classics is Lake Mungo and Dawn of the Dead, which hit on the 1st of July. On the sixth will be the little girl who lives down the lane, Terror Train, and Death Ship. Then on the seventh comes Basket Case 1, 2, and 3. As well as the 74 version of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. On the twelfth we have Messiah of Evil. Carnival of Souls, Straight Edge Kegger, Dead and Buried, and Blackwater. On the 13th, White Girl and Separation. Then on the 19th, she's allergic to cats, they're inside, and sadistic intentions. On the 20th, Mass Hysteria. And Rot on the 26th, it is Etheria the series, the 2020 edition. Then they remain faults and follow. So, people, there is a lot to look forward to in July, but you gotta have Shudder to be able to partake. So, what are you waiting for, people? Go get some shudder into your life. Yo, something that people missed in 2020 were those pop-up cinema screens. But people, people, 
do not worry. 2021, it's a new year. And the screens are back. Pop-up screens are delighted to announce their return to London with an enormous season of outdoor cinema packed with feel-good movies, guilty pleasures and cult classics that make your film all warm and fuzzy inside. Pop-up screens invite you and your family to indulge in an evening that you won't forget with your loved ones. It's relaxed atmosphere and friendly vibe, praised by critics across the country, will have you coming back year after year. This year, pop-up screens will span across eight London parks. That's right, people, eight. And open spaces over three months, launching on, oh shit, my birthday, the 9th of July, at Coram's Fields, with the fan favourite, The Craft. Pop-Up Screens offers films for fans of all genres, including smash hit musical dramas such as The Greatest Showman, A Star Is Born, Bohemity Rhapsody, and Rocketman. For audiences wanting nostalgia, fans will be able to revisit fan favourites such as Back to the Future, The Goonies, and Dirty Dancing, um, plus a whole lot more. You know, you can uh, join them for a movie or two and you'll find a great environment along with a bar and some of London's best street food traders. So, the uh, the films that you can enjoy, people, well, on, as I said, starting on the 9th of July at Crom's Fields is The Craft, the 10th... Um, is the greatest showman the 11th bill and ted face the music then over to bishop's park in fulham on the 16th with 10 things i hate about you 17th dirty dancing and the 18th the goonies then it's north greenwich from the 23rd of july for 500 days of summer Greece on the 24th and Back to the Future on the 25th and July ends at Hillfields in Brockley so on the 30th July is The Goonies and the 31st Dirty Dancing Uh, staying on Brockfield um, on the 1st of August it's The Greatest Showman Then back to Corman's Fields on the 6th of August. Three films on the 6th. You've got Jojo Rabbit, Pretty Woman and Ghostbusters. Then Hammersmith, you're not forgotten because on the 13th at Ravenscourt Park, you've got Jaws. On the 14th, it's Bohemian Rhapsody. And then the 15th, it's The Greatest Showman. The Guild Hall in the City of London, people. On the 16th, um, you've got um, The Greatest Showman. To 17th, you've got Moonlight. On the 18th, you've got Philadelphia. The 19th, it's The Beach. The 20th, it's Dreamgirls. And the 21st of August is Priscilla, Queen of the Desert.
Then, Heather Green, people, from the 27th of August at Manor House Gardens, we got Bohemian Rhapsody. On the 28th, it is The Greatest Showman. And then on the 29th of August, it is A Star Is Born. But that's not all. So, back to Bishop's Park in Fulham. For the 3rd of September Because it's Rocketman The 4th, it's A Star Is Born Then the 5th, it's The Greatest Showman So then, on the 10th of September It is Back to Hammersmith So Raven's Court Park It's Dirty Dancing On the 11th, it is at Jurassic Park And the 12th, it is Rocketman And it all ends at the Oval In Kennington Park Right, so 17th of September It's a greatest showman The 18th, it's Notting Hill And then the 19th of September It all closes with a star is born So you can book tickets And find out more at popupscreens.co.uk Adult tickets are £14, and those under 12s, it is £9. But remember, people, there will still be COVID policies in place. But, yes, for more information, people, go down and check out popupscreens.co.uk. Okay, people, so now we've had all of that, let's get into this week's films, alright? Okay, people, so, good on the paper, this is the new film and the directorial debut of Kimmy Gatewood. Um, the film is written actually by Eliza Sledinger, um, you know, the great stand up comedian. Uh, now, as the film starts, it says this is a true story, or more or less, right, based on lies, right? So um, I think. That's that's an interesting one uh, because it's kind of like okay, I wonder how much of this is true, right? What what aspects were taken and utilized and all of that kind of thing, you know what I mean? But uh, anyway, the other people involved in the piece are so um, Slazinger, also. Um, you know, she executive produces the film along with Vadia Schlagel, uh, Rowan Riley, Sejid Kroninger. Um, it's produced by Han West, Sam Slater, uh, David Bernard, and Paul Bernard. And it's co produced by. Eliza Liraz. Music is from Jonathan Sanford. Cinematography is Giles Dunnan. Uh, It's edited 
by Kyla Plus. Uh, production design is Paris P. Picard. Costume design is Erica Rice. Um, and, you know, it's starring uh, Schlesinger. She plays Andrea. Um, we then have got Ryan Henson. He plays Dennis. Uh, we have Margaret Chu, who plays Margaret. <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear. Um, other people, we've got, um, Maeve Viola plays a character called Grace. Uh, Nick Walters plays a bartender. Um, Rebecca Johnson plays Rhonda Stewart. So she is, um, one of Dennis's housemates. Um, I believe Beth Dover. Um, she plays Leslie. Uh, Kima Bahofarini plays Maggie. Uh, Maggie's another one of his best um, roommates. Um, we have got. Rebecca Reitenhouse plays Serena, an actress, and um, <sighs> someone who Andrea kind of competes against um, for whatever reason. <laughs> Brittany Young plays a casting director. Christopher Nicholas Smith plays a director. And Adam uh, Lustick plays a writer. Alexander Roberts plays a producer in the piece. So, yeah, they're probably our main cast, right? And the gist of the film is this. After years of putting her career ahead of love, stand-up comic Andrea Singer has stumbled upon the perfect guy. On paper, he checks all the boxes. Is he everything he appears to be? So here is the thing. And um, I think the film does, like, it utilises a stand-up routine as kind of the, the framework for this story. Which isn't a bad thing, right? We, we see... Um, you know, we we see that work sometimes. You really like remember Seinfeld, and it would all always open up with a, a stand up kind of thing, and sometimes that was just a, you know, standalone thing. Sometimes it would actually feed into the story, right? And I know um, Mike Feeney had a great film out. Oh, I believe it was last year called Timing. And, um, yeah, that did, you know, that was around about a comic on the come up. And, you know, they, he often used the stand up routines as a framework for the story. So there's definitely been a few times in which this has been utilized. But it is a, a good way of moving that story along, you know, introducing things and like and adding context to situations. So I, I don't mind it. But we have that. And, 
you know, Andrew is telling us all of this information, right? And how she she uh, meets this guy, and I think it works to some extent, but then in others it falls a little bit flat, right? So. I feel it, I, it's kind of like the beginning, when we see Andrea at the airport, and she's talking to her friend, right, she's um saying how, oh, yeah, she was held up because a woman lost her boarding pass, and how stupid is that, but then exactly the same thing happens to her, and it's a bit like, ah, okay. Like, but it just felt a little bit flat. Right? I don't know if it's just because it was drawn out maybe a little bit too long. But it just didn't quite have the pop. You know what I mean? So you have that. And there was a, a, a few other situations in the film where, like, you know, this, this, this thing happens and it just doesn't quite work, right? We have a situation where Andrea is going for a film audition and she doesn't get it, right? And she's critiquing the script, but it, it doesn't quite work. Like we've seen it work in other things. And it is hard to kind of pinpoint why it doesn't work. You know, I think sometimes the scene, again, is a bit too long. Or it's just the the wording, right? It's the dialogue that doesn't quite work. I think in this in this situation, it's how she kind of gets into it, but she's reading the line, but then all of a sudden she's like, oh, it should be, and and I think it's just the way you come into it, it doesn't quite, there's not quite that separation to be her like, you know what, the script sucks, right, that dialogue doesn't work, right, and, and so then afterwards, right, the, as the scene plays out, you're expecting something else, especially from Brittany Young's character, but it doesn't come. And so you're like, oh, huh, okay, all right. So we have that. Now, I think with the, the whole meet-cute situation... Right, so already you know something is going to be up just because from what the film is called, right? And then the the stand-up routine, right? When she's talking about, oh, this guy and how, you know, there's a thing and blah, blah, blah. So you know there's going to be something. But I think the, the way it all goes about, there's some information that is given way too quickly. Yo, so Dennis, he will, you know, out of nowhere, right? I, it was just like, oh, yeah, my girlfriend. Did you just like, but no one asked, 
right? So no one asks for something, and he's just giving out this stuff. And I think when you're, you know, you're thinking of a a, a catfish situation, as it were, now there's certain things where you might be like, oh yeah, no, I work in this, and I, you know, you might be, um, what's the term, um, honey feeding. Honey feeding, honey feeding, is that something, um, oh, no, bread crumbing, right, bread, bread crumbing, I mean, that's the thing, right, like, you understand that people might drop certain information, but then there's other stuff that, yeah, it's just like, but what would be the need in giving this stuff out? Right, I think there's this odd bit, there's this odd kind of thing in the film where, yeah, we're getting too much information. And then with the the stand-up routine, it kind of is letting you know what's going to happen. So when you actually get to that scene, we already knew that scene was coming. Right, so it, it, I think especially when they get together, like you know it's gonna come. I mean, you know it's gonna come because of the stand-up routine and just because of the nature of it all. Right, you you go okay, we're this far into the film, so we know something is gonna happen, and yes, this is that situation. Right, so it it some of it is way it's just too easy to predict, and then from that, you're working from that, and we're trying to kind of build up this whole tapestry of lies, but the lies themselves, they're not very intricate. Right, everything is just way too easy to see through, so it it doesn't quite hit you with an impact. You know, like I I kind of feel that there's these moments and everything is building, and it there should be this whole, oh my god, but you don't get hit with that because you have kind of seen through it all, right, seen through it all very early, you'd be like, well, obviously, that's not true, and clearly, that's going to be an issue, right, so I think there's that, right, I think that hampers that story, unfortunately, you know, and I, I, and it's one of those funny things, like, at the end, right, it's something that you find in thrillers and horrors, right, like, modern technology, they, they forget about modern technology, and you're just like, wait, but surely someone would, you know, that's the way you get around that situation, you would just blah, 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 and, and I think you come across that with this at the very end, there's this thing that goes down, and it's just like, and especially, because just before that, they were talking about their phones and using their phones to do a thing, right? So we then get to this next situation and you're just like, okay, but wouldn't wouldn't you just use your phone, right? Surely 
you would use your phone to, and that means you would be fine. But they don't. See, you're kind of baffled. And I also kind of feel that the jump from one situation to then the last situation, it does seem a big, a big one. And, and you think it's all very hearsay. And so it's a bit like, wait, how would you be here? Because there's so many ways around it. And when it's one person's word against two people, right? You're just like, huh? How would that work? I don't know how that would work. Because you have to then, you know, you have two people that could say, but that's not true. And then you're kind of stuck. But at no point do they just be like, um, no, that didn't happen. Or, um, yeah, that, that's not a thing. And you, but that's all, that's all you would need to say. There's all you would need to say. And there's no longer a situation. Right? So there is that. If you don't use the technology to do the thing, which would then solve it all in the first place. Right? So, I mean, that's the thing with the film. That you, you, have, all, you have these little... Just these little things. These little things that I think are just hampering it to become something more than what it is. Because it's not terrible, but it's just not great, right? It's just a, you know, it's just a, a film that you can throw on as a distraction. You know, if you don't want to think about something, it it will work, right? But it's not going to be... The film that you tell everyone about. But, oh my god. I've just watched this incredible film. It's not going to be one of those things. That you kind of go back to. Time and time again. You recommend. It's not an away we go. It's not a um, about time. A 500 days of summer. Eternal sunshine. For the spotless mind. You know. It, 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 it's not on that level. So. It's fine, you know what I mean, it's fine, we get some solid performances, you know, but it just, yeah, it kind of plateaus there, unfortunately, right, but then that's just me, I'm, I'm, I'm sure the, um, the audience will look at it differently depending on the gender, right, because I, I, I think if you're a girl, you will go, oh, this has happened to me. If you're a guy, you... Right? Because I feel... Because when we're talking about catfish or cuttlefish, as they decide to use as a, a term of reference during the film, right? I, I kind of feel catfish is slightly different. Because with this, she she knows the guy, she's, she then, she meets the guy, she becomes friends with the guy, and she's hanging out with the guy for a long-ass period of time, we don't actually get a time frame on the friendship, 
But it's a friendship first which then develops rather than, oh, I've, I've met a guy that I want to date and we're going to date and blah, blah, blah. Right? He told me this and he asked for this money and blah, blah, blah. Like, it's not that. So it, it, it's just someone that has lied, but you've been around this person for all of this time. And also, they get drunk a lot. So it's a bit like... I don't know how you didn't get the information, how, how there was no slip-ups in this whole time period. You know what I mean? So it, it's just like... I don't know. It, it doesn't really feel like a real catfish. You know what I mean? Like, we've heard about more devastating and impactful catfishes, right? Which started off as the dating situation. Right, so, yeah, that's why I think it will it will impact people in a different way because I think there will be people that will be like, oh yeah, that's happened to me, or oh I've been in a situation where yeah I I, I knew this person and you know blah, blah, blah. but a lot more people might be a bit more pragmatic about it and be like, hey, but that's just you know that's just life that's just. Shit, a shitty friendship, right? That's just a shitty situation. So I, I, I think however you digest it on that front definitely will impact how the film as a whole resonates with you. But people, it's on Netflix, so you can decide, right? Good on paper, it's on Netflix right now. And um, yeah, go check it out. Man, I, I, I just watched this new film, right? And one of the comments on IMBD, right? One of the people that have reviewed this film, they wrote, <laughs> If you can't enjoy this, you must be a very sad person in life and not too funny on parties. Firstly, uh, uh, a horrible sentence. Right, but then they go on to be like, there is nothing absolutely new here, right? But the film does everything right with the right top. Right? It's just like you're a contradictory piece of shit. You're a moron, and hey, just might mean I'm a sad person because, ugh, fatherhood. <laughs> Fatherhood, I mean, people. Now, it, it's an odd one, right? It's an odd one because I'm in two minds about the film, right? I'm in two minds about the film. And I will explain, right? Because, you know, it's one of them things. And, hey, I'm sure there's a whole group of people that will disagree with me. But, yo... It's my time to talk, motherfucker. So you got to sit down and shut up. All right. So this is the new f film from director Paul Witts. Welts, Witts, um, however you pronounce the name. Um, he wrote the screenplay along with Dana Stevens. Stories from David Stevens. Well, the story isn't actually from Dana Stevens. See, this is the weird thing. Because it's based on 
a book. Yeah, it's based on a book from Matthew Logalin. Two Kisses for Maddie, a memoir of loss and love. And I have to say, Matt Loglin looks a, a bit like Burt Kreiser. <laughs> a bit like, well, a kind of a bit like Burt, Burt Kreischer and Wim Hof. If you melded the two together, that's Matt Loglin. You know what I mean? Um, yes, he looks nothing like Kevin Hart. Just... Just so people understand. But yeah, no, it's his story. Because it's a true life thing. You know, he suffered. Blah, 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 blah. Right? So, um, yes. There it is. It's produced by Marty Bowen, Kevin Hart, David Burberry, and Peter Kerman. Um, Listen, right? All I can hear in my head is this weird, like, oh man, my nose is just so blocked. I don't know how I sound, but to me, it sounds ridiculous. Sounds ridiculous. But, you know, it is what it is. So I'm just saying that because oh, it's frustrating. I don't sound normal, but I don't actually know how I sound anyway. But yes. Anyway, let's get back to it. Alright, so the music is from Rupert Gregson Williams. Cinematography is Tobias Dutman. Edited by Jay Cassidy. Uh, so it was originally a uh, a Sony film, but because, you know, everything, they offloaded it to Netflix, and now Netflix get to reap the benefits. Okay, so um, the cast, we have Kevin Hart as the aforementioned Matthew Logelin. Uh Deborah Arinde plays his wife, Liz Loughlin. Um Their daughter is Maddie, and she's played by Melody Heard. Throughout the film, I heard, the, I thought they were saying Matty. Which I just thought was ridiculous. You know what I mean? Because his name's Matt. And I thought they'd called the kid Matty. And I'm like, wait, how the fuck are you calling your daughter Matty? That's just... You know? Because I, I hate that whole junior bullshit. I'm just like, give the kid a different name. Don't call your kid after you. It's ridiculous. But no, the kid is actually called Maddie. But um, I blame them because... It was hard to understand. Now, Afria Woodard, she plays um, Liz's mum, Marion. Uh, we've got um, Frankie Fazian plays Liz's dad, Mike. We have um, uh Tanisha Collins plays Tessa, Matt's mum. Then we have got Paul Reisier plays Howard, Matt's boss. Anthony Carrigan plays Oscar, his friend. Um, We got Lil Ray Howie. He plays Jordan, another one of Matt's friends. And the Wonder Wise plays Lizzie. A.K.A. Swan, the young lady that Matty meets during the film. 
Okay. Okay. So, the, uh, the gist of the film is this. A father brings up his baby girl as a single dad after the unexpected death of his wife who died a day after their daughter's birth. Yup, that happens people, it happens. So the film starts off and we're essentially at the funeral, right? We we see Matt standing at the pulpit, the pulpit? Pure pit, pulpit, the the podium of the church, right? And he's just like, uh, well, this sucks. Yeah, kind of, duh, understatement, mate. Uh, so he, he goes to get into his speech, right? And, and we kind of flash between the church, the, um, the after party, the after the wake, it's not the wake, is it? It's the um, the thing after, you know, where they serve the refreshments and everyone, you know, looks sad and all of that bullshit. So they have that, and then we we go to the hospital, right? Well, and the lead up to the hospital. So with them at the doctor's office and the doctor going, ah, oh, you, you you know your daughter's breached. She needs that. You need to have a C-section. We'll do it tonight. So we get all of that, and then in the hospital, and and all of this, and then we're at as again we're at the the after party, and you know. So that's the start of the film, you know, and yeah, you know, I think as a start, it's it's fine, right? It it does the thing of letting you know what has happened. And where we currently are. You know, it is setting that scene well. Now, what I think with this, right? So, I I, I think if you're a parent, it probably hits a lot differently. You know what I mean? That's what I think. I think there's, there's certain films for people... Who are at different stages of their life Or just in different situations And I think it's going to speak to you Dependent on that situation You know Because I found it irritating I found it irritating But I found it irritating for the reason I find any film of this nature Irritating So the film isn't bad Because of you know, what we have here, it is just that typical film, you know, and, and that's the thing for me, right, because it follows all the the normal beats, you know what I mean, like, it, it is, we can replace the cast, right, we can replace the cast, we can put in any ethnicity up in this piece, and you've got the same film. So acting, the acting is fine, right? But one thing I will say, one thing I will say is, you know, I think the film, like, it, it does serve the purpose because we don't really have many black films of this nature, 
right? You you don't really have many that deal with a single father. You know, you have plenty with a single mother, right? An abusive dad and just all of this kind of shit, but not a film of this nature. So it's it, it's good to have something like that. You know, in the sphere of things. Now, technically, I would have... It would have been good for it to be slightly different. But, you know... Yeah. That, that, I feel that's just, you know... Minor issues. Minor issues. I mean, I do kind of think... For me... The film works best in its quieter moments. And when I say quieter moments, I just mean, like, we're not forcing the comedy. You know what I mean? Like, it's not trying to force the sentiment. And it is just characters interacting. I think mean, when we have those bits, yeah, that that's that's what it really does feel like something. Because at the beginning, you know, you have, like, Manny trying to tell jokes in, in the doctor's office, right? And, and you're just like, it's just a little forced, you know what I mean? It's just a little hammy, it's just a little, uh, and then you've got, um, you know, little Huey's character just, again, at the wake, after party, whatever you call it. It's just like, hey, you can do it. You can cope with this. Remember that time, and we were kids, and this happened, and blah blah blah. And, and it's just like it's a ridiculous story that has nothing to do with the situation, right? But they've included it because they're like, oh, this will get jokes, and it's just like, eh, but it's just, it's too forced. It's it's just too forced. Again, you have, um, oh gosh, what's the, my man's name? Um, the other one of Matty's friends. Ugh, this is irritating. Um, oh gosh, Oscar. Yes, Oscar. You have him at the wake after party, whatever, whatever. Being just going, ugh. Hey, if I was you, avoid that piece of food, blah, blah, blah. And then Matty's like, oh, my mum made that. And, you know, it's just the obvious joke, right? It's just the, the bad joke we've had thousands of times. And the, like, we didn't need those. You know what I mean? They're just played out. They just don't, they're boring. You know what I mean? They added nothing to this film. They didn't even, they didn't hit. Right, they didn't come off well, but we have all of that. We then have, um, you know, Matt sort of with the two mums, right, and they're staying over, helping him with the kid, the baby, and all of that. And we have a lot of those typical situations with babies, like trying to put on a nappy, baby shitting all over you, can't get to sleep, just. All those typical things you find in these sort of films. You know what I mean? But we jump. We suddenly then jump five years. Right? So now Maddie is five years old. And so we're then 
you know, things have changed, right? We're, we're in a new environment and situations and everything like that, which is, you know, that's all good, that's fine, you know? But it's a little odd because no one ages. <laughs> that's a, it's the weirdest thing, right? They've aged the baby, <laughs> but no one else, no one else is any older. You're just like, wait, what? What is going on? <laughs> so, I, I look, we have some nice interactions between, like, Matty and uh, Lizzie, the new Lizzie. Lizzie, volume two, Swan. Right, look, we have some nice little interactions between them. And that works, you know what I mean? But it's, I think, one of the things with the film, it, it it plays out all of these situations, but it doesn't, like, it, 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 you know what I mean? I don't know, it does, it does do weird things, right? Because it's kind of going, well, Matty, his job is taking off, and he's getting all these opportunities, but then he's all like, ah, oh, but I've got a kid, and oh, I can, and you're just like, well, you can do both, there are plenty of people that do both, but the way we're given it is, oh, only one thing will work, you know what I mean, which is a little, you're like, but that's not true, you know, and then you have this situation at school, Right, that Maddie is getting bullied, but again, we just see the teachers tell off, you know, Matty about his kid instead of going, um, yeah, we're gonna speak to that boy who's looking up her skirt, right? There's these weird things, and you're just like, wait, we're not gonna address those issues. And that kind of thing, you know, you have the mother-in-law, right? You have this whole thing with the mother-in-law in the film and all of this. But obviously, you know it's going to get sorted out by the end. But we don't see anything to show how that situation could change. Because basically, she's an asshole. Right, she's always hated him, but now her daughter's dead. It's just like you know what I mean. It's one of those things. But you're just like, okay, they're not going to suddenly become friends. This it's not going to happen. So you need to show a falling out situation, a, a a situation where this could work because it's not just going to go boom. We're good now. Like, that won't happen. You know what I mean? So we had that. But you have these weird things. Like, it, it's too quick. Right? You you want to... It wants to show these things and be like, well, this happened. You know? So, right, you, you have him finally dating again. So he's dating this swan, Lizzie Mark II. But obviously, you know, something's going to come up with the kid, which makes him question whether this is a good idea. 
And so they have this whole thing that goes on. But we don't, there's nothing to show the time, right? Because obviously a phone call comes through and he misses the phone call, but we don't understand. So how long? What? How long was it from the phone call and then you realising you missed the call? What was that? Right? We we don't know. We don't know. So the reaction from it all, it's a little over the top. It's a little weird. Because there's not enough context to it all. You know what I mean? And I think that's the that's the big thing. They want to show these big moments, these transformational situations, but we just don't have the real context for it to impact. That's I feel that's the issue here. These these moments don't really impact because you're just you can look at it and go, yeah, that's not really a huge deal, you know what I mean, and as, as this is what I'm saying, like, if you're a parent, you will probably resonate with it more, because you'll be like, oh, I remember when that happened to me, a similar thing happened to me, so although the film doesn't show you the context that well, your own um, experiences will relate the thing to you. You know, so I, I, I can't, or even if you have maybe a niece or nephew, you know what I mean? And so you've been in those situations, but if you haven't been in those situations and you're just relying on the film to give you this impact, I'm not sure if the film does that, you know? Because it, it, it didn't for me, It maybe it does for you, Right? Maybe it just doesn't hit me in the same way. But it will hit you more. You know what I mean? Maybe that is the thing. Because, yeah, it it, it just didn't... It didn't really for me. You know? So, yeah, there's these weird things. Like, there's this whole... And I think it's in the trailer, right? About the whole mother's group and all of that kind of thing. You do kind of feel some of the questions he asked them. You're like, you could have Googled that, right? It does try and act like, oh, he's the first dude to be in that situation. And you just think, well, there is Google, right? There's Google, there's books, there's just all of this stuff. You, I'm, I'm sure there's friends you could have asked. Like his friend Oscar has got, I think, two kids, so it's just like, there's people you could ask, it's a little bit, uh, like, this is being made out uh, a bit more of a deal than it kind of is, you know what I mean, yeah, I don't know people, it, it, it just doesn't, it didn't connect with me around of those things, you know, and, like, there is this big thing about his daughter and where he's going to leave her. And it just seems, out after, everything has been going well. But just from a few hours, that he makes this huge, 
huge kind of uh, shift. And you're like, whoa, 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 what? Just because one thing gets said, you're going to do this? Like, it didn't make any sense. You you knew it was going to come just because it's that type of film. But the way they did it didn't really make any sense. You know what I mean? But as I said, if if you have kids, if you've got, you know, nieces, nephews, or just friends with kids that you mess around with, then, A, it, it will probably hit you in a different way. You know what I mean? So, you know, it, it's out there. It's on Netflix, right? And as I said, look, the acting, the acting is solid. The acting is solid, right? I I just feel the script isn't the best. So, although Lil Ray Huri's character, he, he comes off as a bit of a dummy, you know what I mean? I, I feel that's more the script. Than anything else You know But uh Hey See what you think It's on Netflix Fatherhood people Fatherhood Took a bit of a risk With this one people Because uh It seemed a little scary <laughs> <laughs> Seemed a little scary, I'd have to say. It was kind of shook. Was kind of shook. So, um, I checked out the new film that's written and directed by Justin P. Lang. It's The Seventh Day. So, it's produced by Dallas Sonia, Chelsea Davenport, Amanda Presmick, and Kimberly Huang. It has music from Gavin Brivik. It's got the cinematography of Nick Remy Matthews. Um, and, yeah, the cast. It's got a good cast, people. Okay, so we have... Um, Stephen Lang as the Archbishop. We have got... Uh, Father Peter Costello, played by Guy Pearce. Uh, Father Daniel Garcia, played by Vadia Demise. Uh, Father Louise is played by Keith David. Um, Charlie Groot is played by Brady Jennis. Um, we've got a young Father Peter Costello, played by Chris Ghost, uh, George is Akron White. Um, so we've got Mr. Miller, Heath Freeman, uh, Mrs. Miller is Hannah Aline Colwell, and Nicholas Miller is Tristan Riggs. Um, and Helen is played by Robin Barlett. So the uh, the gist of the film. Is uh, it is this a renowned exorcist who teams up with a rookie priest for his first day of training as they plunge deeper into hell on earth? The lines between good and evil blur, and their own demons emerge.
Ouch. Whew. So we start off. Um, there's TV footage of like the Pope and other stuff. And suddenly we draw back to a room and we've got a uh, a priest. You know, it's um yeah, we, we see we see this priest and he is um getting into uh, his robes. Right? He he's prepping. He's prepping for what they're about to do. You know? So his father Luis. And he's talking to a young Peter. Right? A young father, Peter Costello. And he's like, um, yes, we're going to go to this place. And, you know, what we're about to witness is something... Whew, it's the worst case I've seen. But we're going to do it and you're going to be fine. And this exorcism... It... Doesn't go to plan. Definitely does not go to plan. And we um, then jump to present day. So that's in 1995. And so we jump to present day. And uh, we see a young priest sitting in the archbishop's, um, you know, room. And then we see an older Father Peter Costello. And, you know, he's a bit like, ugh, I've got to, you know what I mean, I've got to train this newbie, right? It, 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 it's like, you think of some of those films like Lethal Weapon, another 48 hours. You know, you've got the old vet having to bring on some new young gun. And it, it's one, you know, where it's just like, alright, you think you know it, you think you know the shit. Let me introduce you to the shit. And, you know, he takes him somewhere. And he's like, okay. Well, first, he, he asks some questions, right? Gives him, asks some questions. Why you want to do this shit, son? And then he takes him somewhere. He's like, all right, you find me evil in this spot. And, obviously, it's not what you would seem. You know, you, the thing that you, you might go, oh, it's going to be there. But, no, it isn't. Right, and so we get this whole, yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right, people, it isn't, it isn't the most obvious things, it hides, it hides in plain sight, somewhere where you would never think to look, right, and so they do this thing, they get rid of it, and suddenly, um, you know, a new case comes on board, and we see them go after this case, which... Goes in a worrying direction. You know what I mean? Like it, 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 it takes you somewhere where whew, you do not want to go. And I have to say, this film it definitely it builds the tension. It really does build the tension, and it has you very. Like, oh, man, it's just jumpy. It's like proper jumpy. You know what I mean? I'm just like, yo. <laughs> you know, do we have to do this shit? Yeah, do we really have to do this shit? I don't know if I want to, uh... Don't know if I want to mess with this, man. Ain't gonna lie to you, people. Ain't sure. 
so it, it definitely I think it it, it it takes us to those places, right? It, it builds things up in a way that are a little uncomfortable, right? Which, hey, you've got to give mad props to, you know, those set designers and, and the lighting and just all of that because, right, the, the ambience of these scenes, it, it's really set well. Right, really set well. Now I will say, look, there are a few scenes with special effects which don't work as well. Right, there's certain ones where you be like, that looked a little bit off. Right, that one looked a little bit off, but you know, for the most part, it it's pretty. Um, I think it, 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 it's pretty honed well, right? We we get these set pieces that aren't too over the top, right? So it can give you that feel of um, unease and disquiet, right? And I think they're done very well. They're done very well. It's a lot of, you know, darkness come to light and... Little glimpses of shit. You know, that's all very... Ooh, yeah, very good. Very good. But as the film builds up, right? As it's taking us to this point. I do think... Right, th- so there is a point where you do suspect. Right? You do suspect. Because everything that has been said... It is kind of pointing you in a possible certain direction. Now, I did think to myself, well, it can't be that, right? Just because if it is then this thing, you have all of these people that have missed it. And you're kind of like, how would then all of these other people, how would the arch? Bishop have, like, you you kind of scratch your head a little, and, and you're wondering to yourself, how would this be able to have happened, you know what I mean, like, how would this have been able to have happened, so that is... I, I kind of think that that is the, the blight on the story... Because the the way it's all built up, yeah, I I will I will say it, it it's intriguing, right? We we have this intriguing story, which kind of makes sense, right? You think, yeah, I mean, obviously, if you're if you're playing in that field, there is a chance that this is gonna go down, right? But you do kind of wonder to yourself, but how could it be missed by all of these people? You know, because I think you get those stories where the new person is the only one to figure it out. And you're just like, ah, come on, man. I'm just like, they, they don't have enough experience or anything like that. So how do they manage to figure it out? 
you know? I, and I'm not opposed to them being able to figure it out, but I just think, but some of the old motherfuckers, right? Some of the vets would have as well. So, yeah, that is the... That is the, the, the problem with this story. But I do kind of think it does... It does kind of set things up in a way, right? You you could make a good sequel, right? So if this was your alien, you could have an aliens which would be more action. You know what I mean? Like um because it's hunting season, right? Which I mean that would be fun. Because we have a dossier for, right? There's plenty of fodder for that. Next stage I don't know if they would do that But it is kind of You know, you are put in that Place for it But, uh, yeah I mean The church do do that thing Where it's just like, well, let's uh, Not talk about this Let's um, keep this Within, and you be like, yeah Motherfuckers, of course You do Yeah, you weirdos but um, yeah, no. It's um, it's an interesting one, right? Definitely had me jumping, definitely had me jumping all over the shop, and um, I felt uneasy like a motherfucker. So really, if, if that's your thing, if you like a good creepy ass horror, an exorcism, this could be for you. Now it might not be. Um, as, as scary as like stuff like The Exorcist. I don't know. I haven't watched that. I don't really want to. <laughs> so um, yes, it, it might not be quite that. Now, um, there's elements of it that did remind me of the cleansing season on uh, Shudder, which is very good. Very good people. You need to watch that one. Um, it, it's not quite there. You know, I definitely I would say it's not quite there, but. Yeah, I I think there are more pluses to this story than the uh, cons, right? I I do think that, so I would say it is you know it's worth checking. It's worth checking. See if you can work out the twists and the turns and all of that shenanigans. So um yes, it's on it's on Netflix. This one, people. You know, the seventh, the seventh, uh, day. It's on Netflix, and, uh, yeah, I would say it's, you know, it's not the best, but I wouldn't say it's terrible. I'd say it's decent, you know, a bit of a, and it's not, as again, it's not so much a flat ending, but there's just questions around it, you know what I mean? There's just questions around it. So I think you have to be able to um, separate yourself from all of that. And I think that will depend, that will, you know, weigh up your enjoyment of the piece. But uh, yes, the seventh day, not a bad watch. And do it during the day, people. <laughs> just to be safe. Do it. Do it. Jury today, okay? Oh, 
Okay, people. So we've reached that time again. But before we bounce, let's take a look and see what's happening in the world of films. So um, last year, right, we had the Scooby-Doo prequel Scoob. And director Tony Savone has, uh, yeah, he's little, let a little puppy out the bag and said that they're working on a, um, a sequel, you know? So, um, there's no more information, really. He just said, we are kicking the tires on a follow-up to Scoop. It hasn't been announced yet, but it's something we're all excited about. The whole creative team that made the first movie is still around and back and working on something new. It was neat to create this Hanna-Barbera cinematic universe and it's exciting to return to it. So yeah, if you enjoyed that, people, you know what I mean? Hey, you, you, you could have more. Alright, so, um, yeah, Australia, they, you know what I mean, they've, they've been put, bleh, they've been pouring out some crazy-ass films, right, and one of those is that horror franchise, Wolf Creek, and it looks like, um, you know, there's gonna be a third installment, Right, so this new film has an American family on a dream trip to the outback and soon draws the attention of notorious serial killer Mick Taylor. Soon the couple's two children escape only to be hunted by the infamous killer. Yay! <laughs> Duncan Samarang wrote the script. Um, and uh, Rachel McLean, Bianca Martino, and uh, Christian Molia will be producing the piece. So, uh, yeah, if you've enjoyed that franchise so far, there is that. Um, so, yeah, we've got some Oscar. Oscar winning legends coming together, right? So, uh, Christopher Waltz and William Dafoe are going to be starring in the new Walter Hill film, uh, Dead for a Dollar, right? So, Hill is writing and directing, you know, uh, and it's set in New Mexico, uh, Chinchilla. In 1897 So uh, Waltz is going to be playing A guy called Max Borlud A famed bounty hunter Hired to fight and return As Santa Fe businessman's wife Seemingly kidnapped By an African American Army deserter When Max goes to Mexico In search And runs across his Sworn enemy Gambling expatriate American Joe Cribbins, played by Defoe. Um, yeah, who Max sent to prison years before. He also finds the woman and deserter, now lovers, hiding in the Mexican desert from her abusive husband. 
does Max return her or does he aid her in fighting off ruthless hired guns and his longtime criminal rival? So it's being produced by Jeremy Wall, Kirk D'Amico, and Caroline McMasters. So, uh, yeah, there you go, people. Um, so we are also getting a, a new thriller called Suddenly. This is going to be a vehicle for Jake Gyllenhaal and Vanessa Kirby. Right, so it's uh, based. Well, it's an adapt. It's an adapt. It's an adaptation of a French novel from Isabelle Autister uh, called Sudan Suze. And it sees a couple who become stranded on an island in the South Atlantic and must fight for survival when their dream journey becomes a nightmare. So yeah, there you go. There you go, people. Um, yeah, it, it's being written by Thomas Binnegan, um, who is... Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be an English language project. So, uh, no subtitles. Huzzah! Now, um, a classic novel, right, is Alexander Dumas's The Count of Monte Cristo. We've had many iterations on the big screen and the small screen, and it looks like we are getting one more, right? So this version will have Jack Houston um, play the, 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 play the Count Nicholas Cristo. Um, in this version anyway um, and it's a man broken who was betrayed and locked away for over a decade now he's fighting to bring justice to a world even more cruel and corrupt than the one that was taken from him and it is set in Asia and the US yep so uh, we've got Stephen Fogg uh, on board to direct and executive produce. So um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what it's like, right? Now this is an interesting one. Coming to Netflix, right? Is Unfrosted, and it's a, a new film from Jerry Seinfeld. You know, he co-wrote the piece with uh, Spike. Bursteen and Barry Mardar and um, he's going to be directing it and producing it. Yeah, I, I'm not. I think this might be Seinfeld's directorial debut with a feature. I think. Right. Supposedly, it is based on um, a joke that is told about pop tarts. So uh, yeah. I don't know, man. We'll see what he does with that one. You know what I mean? So, uh, Brandon Cronenberg, he, uh, you know, he had Possessor last year, which was very good. We spoke about it as part of the uh, London Film Festival. 
Well, um, he's got a new film coming called Infinity Pool. And it's going to be starring Alexander Skargard. Right, so uh, it follows a couple who are young, rich, in love and on vacation. Their all-inclusive resort boosts island tours and gleaming beaches. However, outside of the hotel gates waits something much more dangerous and seductive beyond the edge of paradise. So, uh, yeah, there you go. All right, so... Um, also, um, you know, we are getting a, a live action uh, Snow White, right? And it looks like Rachel Zegler has landed that role, right? So Mark Webb is uh, going to be directing it. Uh, Mark Platt um, is producing. You know, uh, so yeah, it, it's gonna be released in 2022, right? But it's supposedly expanding on the story and music. So, yes, uh, Benji Puck and Justin Paul are writing um, new songs for the film. So, yes. So Mark Webb said, Rachel's extraordinary vocal abilities are just the beginning of her gifts. Her strength, intelligence and optimism will become an integral part of rediscovering the joy in this classic Disney fairy tale. So uh, yeah, there you go people, there you go. And let's end with this one, another bit from the House of Mouse. And, uh, you know, we know we are getting film adaptations of Disney rides. The Tower of Terror is the next one to be brought to life. And it looks like Scarlett Johansson will be producing that film. So, um, Josh Cooley, he's written the script. Um... But yeah, we're not getting any information, you know. So Jonathan Lear is producing it. Um, And yeah, that's all we know so far, people. But, uh, you know, Scarlet, you know, it looks like her Marvel stuff might be done with Black Widow. But she's staying with the House of Mouse. And people, that is us. We are done for this week. We will be back next Thursday, and hopefully, um, yeah, I will be speaking normally then. But uh, until then, people, enjoy your film watching. And remember, yes, we've had, you know, three other episodes of the pod this week. You know, so go check out those, right? Monday, we spoke to, uh, you know, Michaela Whitman and Arthur Della Roche. Very lovely couple, and they've got a new film, Clairvoyant, which is ah, it's great, right? So then on Wednesday, we spoke to Matt Harris about Rob Boy's 40 Years of Rad, and we also spoke to Doug McCorkle and um, Alex 
Regan um, uh, Paris about uh, I'm a la- I'm electric lampshade. So go check those out. All great conversations and very good pieces of work as well. So if you get a chance to watch um, Rum or Lampshade, definitely do that. And, uh, you know, Clairvoyant, that's out on all your favourite VODs. So there is no reason for you not to um, enlighten your life with that one, people. So, yes, until next week. Peace.